Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So Daniel, book of Daniel we're in. So go ahead and turn there for me. We're studying Daniel. Fantastic book. Uh, We spent some time in the fall looking at the end times. Just where are we in the end time narrative and and the scope of eternity? Where are we falling right now? We're looking around the world and things are happening that really are are revealed in scripture as end time prophecy. Here's what we know. We are in a unique generation that really could be the first generation to possibly see the return of Jesus. I, I believe we could be the first generation to possibly see the return of Jesus. And so half of the book of Daniel are prophetic books, the last six. The last six books speak of what is to come. And you'll see things in Revelation and Thessalonians and other places, and you can go back and look that up. It's called Are We There Yet? The first half of the book, the first six chapters, are historical books. They tell stories about God's people, the children of God. Uh, However, I think it's not by coincidence they're paired together because I really believe even though the first part is historical, it is also prophetic, speaking to the times that we'll find ourselves living in and how to live that way. So we find some great truths there, and that's what we're trying to do as we embark in a new year. Um, My hope as a pastor is to help us just examine our hearts, our lives in a way that we can see the areas that perhaps we need to get in line with God as we look at 2018, where we can walk at 2018 as uncompromised people in an increasingly compromising world. And I think we all would agree that, you know, the world is getting increasingly ungodly, or getting further and further away from God. Nothing that we should be fearful of, but we should be even more dedicated and committed to stand to our convictions and our faith and be a stand-up person in a bow-down world. And so we're taking a look at that in the scripture, and so we launched it last week. You can go back and look at that, and we're going to look at another aspect of that today, and we're looking at Daniel's life and these young men, and their faith was challenged every day. Every day you're going to be challenged to compromise. Every single day you will. And this, this story gives us some principles on how we can live our life. So um, we're going to talk today about what I believe to be the greatest test of our faith. I, I believe it's the absolute greatest test, struggle, battle of our faith to be uncompromised in. It'll be the greatest test in the days that we're living in and the days to come. So here we go. Daniel 3, uh, did I tell you that? Daniel 3 starting in verse one. We'll get that up there on the scripture. Here we go. All right, Daniel 3, one. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, 60, I think it's about 90 feet, set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And that was actually a statue of himself, interesting. Uh, He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he'd set up. So the satrap, all those guys came <laughs> to the dedication of King Nebuch- that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Listen to this. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. You have no option. You are commanded to do this. And as soon as you hear the, the, the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall to the ground, worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, And whoever does not fall down and do what they have been commanded to do and worship this idol will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And we know that to be the story of the the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. Uh, You'll remember that from Flannel Graph or some of you from VeggieTales. (laughs) But but that's the story it comes to right there. And, And so if you do not obey this command, 
then you will be thrown into the fire furnace. In other words, here's a culture that is telling these young men to go against their convictions. The pressure on them to go against their faith and their convictions is so great. The motivation is fear. And can I tell you, I think that's the same in the world today. I think when we have tension points of our faith, a lot of times the uh, pull to compromise is based in fear. Will I get ahead if I don't do that? Will Will I lose that relationship if I don't do that? Will I not have that job if I don't do that? Well, and we're, there's so much worldly pressure on us that we're afraid not to compromise. But what we'll find out in the story, as we see in the Bible, that the way to succeed and excel and achieve things in life is not through compromise, but it is through standing firm in your faith. See, here's why the devil, the devil motivates by fear, but, but we, we don't worship, and the devil wants you to motivate him out of fear because he's unlovable. <laughs> but God wants you to worship him because of his great love. And so God motivates us through his love, the devil through fear. And so there's pressure there for us to, to go against our convictions, go against our faith, to compromise. And so people will compromise their faith based on the fact that they're afraid not to. And so what does that all tell us about the time that we're living in? And honestly, the question really is, what do we do about that? Let's take a look at another story in Daniel. Daniel 6 says this, verse 9. Finally, these men, let me tell you who these men are, because now we've switched kings. It was Nebuchadnezzar. Now King Darius rules and reigns because his country came in the Merds and the, and the Persians. Merds, one word, right? Persians and Medes, or Merds. Medes and Persians are Merds. I just said that, right? Okay. So these guys came in, overtook Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, the Babylonians, and now Daniel serves King Darius. What's interesting about that is Daniel served four kings in his years. He was about 16 when he went into captivity. He died about 90. Uh, You know, the change, the, the kings changed, but he didn't. And God promoted him through everyone. Come on, there's a, there's a real strong principle right there. All right? You can stand your convictions and not give in to the changing times or changing leadership or, or those kind of things. And so King Darius actually liked Daniel. He loved him. He thought, man, this is a godly man. This guy does a good job. I like him. But here's what it says. These men said, we will never find. They were jealous of Daniel. They served the king. We'll never find any basis for charges against him, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. In other words, he's such a man of high character and uncompromising. We're never going to find anything wrong with him unless we can trip him up in his relationship or his religion. We'll say it that way. Maybe there's something there. As a man, he's just, he's above board. He's not going to ever give us a chance, but maybe in relationship with his God, we can find a way. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should sign an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or any human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed." So King Darius put the decree in writing. And and he didn't know why they were doing this, and so he thought it was a good idea. They knew how much he liked Daniel, so they're like, if you put it in writing, you can't back out of this. You can't find a way to help him or save him. So here's a plot. And basically, in, in, in both these stories, there's an attack on one thing. There's an attack on one thing. The first story was, you're commanded to worship this God, The second story is you're commanded not to worship any other gods. So what we see is a battle really about one thing, and it is worship. 
There's a battle raging for worship. You're in a battle for worship. Time, attention, affection. Where are you giving your worship? You realize worship isn't just coming and singing songs in a set list on a Sunday morning. It is who you give attention to. It is where you place your affections. It is whom you serve. That's your worship unto God. And so there's a battle raging in our world today for our worship. Who are you going to worship? And I wanna wanna explain it to you and help us understand what's happening so we know how to live, but it's always been the battle. Worship has always been the battle from the beginning of time uh, to the end of time. It started in the beginning. Let me set this up for you and I'll put application in a minute. It started in the beginning. Understand that before Adam and Eve were ever on the planet, that in heaven, uh, God was surrounded by angels and led by an archangel who led worship, Lucifer. He was one of the archangels and his responsibility, he was the worship leader of heaven. That's what he did. He was responsible for all the worship of heaven, everything associated with worshiping God. That was his job. That's what he did. He was the worship leader of heaven. In Isaiah 14, it says, and when you can read that in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, if you want to study a little bit further, but Isaiah 14 says, one day he decided he wanted all the worship. I want all this for me. Five times in the book of Isaiah, he says, I will be praised. I will be lifted up. I, 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 I will elevate myself to a place above God. He wanted to be higher than God, and that didn't go so well with God. Can I tell you, anything you put above God doesn't go so well with God. He wants to be first. He deserves to be first. And so God kicked him out of heaven down to earth, kicked the worship leader out of heaven down the earth. After that, because now there was an open position, there's a job opening right now, worship leader. And so the devil got kicked to the earth, and then all of a sudden, what what did God do to fill the position of worship leader? He created man. He created you and me. He created us to fill the position of worship leader because we're created for his worship, to worship him rather. For this purpose, we were created to worship God. The problem is, on the earth now, you have an unemployed worship leader, and then you have a whole bunch that just took his job, and he's mad at them. He's mad at us. He hates us because we took his job. And so he hates us and he's going to do everything he can so we do not give our worship to God where it, desi- where it deserves to go. Because he hates us because now we're, we're made for worship, not him, for God. And so he does everything he can through culture, everything he does with the world to try and get us to compromise and not put our affection, attention, trust in God where it belongs. Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's what we were created to do. You were created for worship. So this whole thing started in a battle over worship. It will all end in a battle over worship. Let me explain that to you real quick. The Bible talks about in the last days, and you've probably heard the word antichrist. Now remember in the beginning, Lucifer elevated himself to a position above God because he wanted to worship. And at the end, the antichrist, he elevates himself to a, pl- a position that he's, he's trying to be above God because he wants worship. And so the antichrist sets these things in motion. He'll set himself, the Bible says, up in the temple in Jerusalem, and you can go back to my end times series, I think it was November, and an idol of himself is placed in the temple in Jerusalem. Where did we hear that? An idol was built to be worshiped where people were there to, to worship him. Um, let me take a look in 2 Thessalonians with you. Let's, let's see where it says in the scripture. Don't let anyone deceive you because we can be deceived. Hey, can I tell you, you can be deceived in worshiping other things. You can be deceived in putting other things before God. 
You can be deceived in putting your trust somewhere else, your attention somewhere else, your affection somewhere else. So don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, which is the Antichrist, is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Can I tell you, I'm so glad that the scripture doesn't just leave here with the... The man, the, the man of lawlessness, he goes, oh, by the way, he's doomed to destruction. <laughs> he's going to be defeated at one point. Okay, so he will oppose and will exalt. Listen, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Similar story. We just saw that in Daniel. Similar story. Revelation 13, 14 through 17 says this. Because of the signs it was given, power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived, this is, this is, hang with me, this will be just a little tricky. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak, and listen to this, and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It's the same thing that we're seeing in Daniel. Daniel's speaking not just historically, but he's speaking prophetically on something not just that we'll see and experience, but are seeing and experiencing now. So it all began with this battle over worship. It all will end with this battle over worship. So what do you think everything in between is about? Worship. Our life. It's about worship. That's the battle that we find ourselves in. And so how it begins, how it ends, and Daniel's telling us how it's going to be during that time. And so the, the devil's going to try his hardest to get you to do anything but worship God. He can't get worship, so he's going to try to make sure that you don't give worship to God, but you give it to other things. He, he wants you to fall in love with other things. And he wants you to be passionate about other things. He wants you to get your attention on other things. And it could be things, and let me just say it this way, it could be things like, what, what are you passionate about? What's your attention on? It could be sports. It could be hobbies. It could be work. It could be money. It could be power. It, it could be relationships. It, it could be titles. Uh, it could be sex. It could be flesh. Your wants, what you want to do. The enemy's going to try and get you to exalt all that above God, put that first place. And there's a battle for your worship. There's a battle to get you to compromise your faith, values, and convictions. But what do the Hebrew boys do? Because they are facing a battle as well. Let's take a look. Daniel 3, 16 says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I love this right here. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not compromise. We will not bow down. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Amen. We won't do it. In other words, we're going to put our faith and trust in the God that we love and we serve. We're not going to give in to the pressure of the world. We're not going to compromise for, for something that, uh, that only God can bring or bring in a greater measure or capacity. And that needs to be our conviction because the world's pressure is if you want to succeed here, you want to excel here, you want to achieve this, you want to achieve that, then you need to compromise and you need to do it the worldly way. But God would say, I'll take care of you. But I love the faith of these Hebrew boys. They're saying, even if you don't deliver us here, we know, Father God, that we will be with you. You will take care of us. It needs to be the conviction that we walk in, the, 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 the uncompromising faith that we need to have. I, I love that. We're not going to bow down. I'm encouraging you to direct your worship only to God. Only to God. Don't compromise. In 2018, don't let fear 
pressure you to compromise. Don't let the, the worldly mindset pressure you and get you off your values and convictions for, for something that is temporary, something that may seem to be m- more uh, beneficial. I mean, have this Daniel 3 attitude. I'm standing with God no matter what. So we're living in those days where culture is trying to get us to worship other things and trying to get us to stop worshiping God. You know, here we live in a, a world that way today. Even today's laws. And you realize that today's laws, there's, there's laws being passed that, that we, we don't have the freedom at times to worship things or say things or do things. And, and you can even look around and you see the Ten Commandments being removed from places, public places. You, you see the Lord's Prayer. You, you see crosses. You can't put that cross up there. You can't do that. You can't say that. And in fact, even when we follow the word and, and we uh, take a stand of faith on something, uh, if it's counter to what the world says, the world says now that our belief system is discriminatory or prejudiced. And we're like, no, I, we love everybody. We love everybody. But we have a conviction that we're going to live our life by. And, and the world's persecuting for that. So, so we, we live in an ever-increasing place that's getting us, trying to get us to compromise. And 2018 will be no different. In fact, it's getting more and more pressure-filled. And we need to make determinations, decisions, dedicate ourselves to God in a way that we'll be able to stand and not give in to that compromise and know that God will take us further than the world ever could. It's trying to get us to stop worshiping God and stop following and trusting Him So the question is, what do we do? Well, what did the Hebrew boys do again? Let's take a look. When Daniel was told he couldn't worship God, Daniel was told he couldn't worship God. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. This was part of his life routine. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They knew they would. They set him up. They went and just waited outside his window until he went up there to pray like he always did. And so then they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. You remember, you published a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, the decree stands, of course I did, in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. He didn't realize at that moment in time that they had brought Daniel, they were going to bring Daniel, charges against Daniel for violating this. And then when he found out that they had brought and accused Daniel, then he was heartbroken. The Bible says he was very sad. And he wrestled within himself, how can I save him? But he knew he couldn't save him. And so he had him thrown in the lion's den. And the Bible says he couldn't sleep at night. He was so distraught. The next morning, the king got up and he ran to the, to the den uh, where, where, where Daniel was with the lions. And, and he called out to Daniel, Daniel, you okay? Are you in there? And Daniel called back to him, uh, yes, my king, I'm here. I'm just playing with the kitties. <laughs> I just took a little cat nap. And I'm shooting YouTube videos with a flashlight. <laughs> I'm chasing Come on, you know that's funny. Come on, I know that's funny. I know it's funny. First service thought it was funny. Okay. So what happened was, and the king threw those men, and the lions devoured that men and their families. Uh, the king was overjoyed, and he declared that Daniel's God is the one true God. So the Bible says that God shut up the mouth of the lions. Amen? And the king said, Daniel's God is the true God and the living God. Hey, can I tell you, because of that, a great catastrophe was avoided? You know what? If Daniel would have been devoured, it would have been catastrophic. (laughs) 
Hey, it's a true story. I'm not lying. You know it's funny. On the inside, you're roaring with laughter. Okay. All right. All right. Here, I got a million of them here all week. Okay. All right. That has no point to the message. Let's move on. Okay. So the ultimate struggle of the time that we're living in is what are you worshiping? You're giving your time, attention, affection, trust. And the greatest test of culture is going to be, do you have the courage to love your God and stand for what you believe no matter what? No matter what? And the question is, how do we do that? Or how do we know that we're doing that? I mean, ultimately, right, am I doing that? Am I, am I that guy? Am I living that life? How do I know that? If we could give ourselves a worship checkup, what would it look like? And I think Jesus gives us one. Jesus gives us a powerful verse where he says, the whole Bible is summed up in one command. And we call it the great commandment. And it's found in a couple of places, but let's, let's read it in Mark 12, 30. Here's what it says in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Let's see where we're at. Let's take a quick checkup and be real honest today and help the Holy Spirit, ask the, rather ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where we're at. The first test is this, heart and soul, which is your affection and your emotions. That's your affections and your emotions. What is our heart and soul? It's where we place our affection and our emotions. Where are your emotions going and where's your affection going? And the question is this, what do you love the most? What do you love the most? What are you expressing love for the most? Who are we expressing love for the most? See, worship is a passionate expression of love. Like. Worship is a, let me say this, worship is a passionate expression should be a passion expression for our God. See, a lot of people think worship is this quiet part. You know, we have praise, a couple songs, and we have worship that's kind of quiet, reverential, kind of maybe a little somber somewhat, kind of a little bit that's just kind of settled down a little bit, maybe quiet, reserved somewhat. And can I tell you, you really can't find many verses that say that. When you study the scripture out about worship, what you find though, however, scriptures that talk about lifting up your heads, lifting up your hands, banging, clashing cymbals, shouting, dancing, singing, clapping, you know, that's what it really looks like. And you know the picture I get when I read that and study that out? What it really looks like is our sporting events. And it's true. I mean, if you watch the national championship game, I wasn't really for either team, but anytime a, te- a team did something good or scored, their fans shouted and jumped to their feet and high-fived each other and raised their hands in celebration. I went to a Spurs game not long ago. Someone blessed us with some tickets, great seats, and I was so thankful I enjoyed it. And can I tell you, at one point in the game, Manu Ginobili was driving the lane and you could see what was coming. Everybody got out of the way and 40-something-year-old Manu Ginobili, come on for the old guys, right? Come on, Manu. He jumped and he slammed that home. Before he even slammed it, I was on my feet with my hands like this going, yes, yes. That's the expression of worship. That's what worship looks like. But here's the thing. Our greatest expression of worship is on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for our teams. And then sometimes if we're not careful, we can come into church and we can say, hold on there, Pastor Cody, getting a little rowdy there. A little rowdy. I like those fast songs, the guitar, that's, that's nice, but getting a little rowdy there. Where's our, where's our passionate expression for our God? Let's just be mind, mindful of that. See, God doesn't mind you having love for other things, but he minds when you have love for them more than him. And I think sometimes if God can get half of what we give on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, that'd be pretty incredible. 
See, again, the truth is we get pretty excited about some other things, but sometimes when we come into those moments, those opportunities, like this week, sometimes we seem to get really reserved and things get a little, don't get a little rowdy there. And Jesus says, you need to love me. Give me your heart and give me your soul. He says, give me some of your emotion. Show me some affection. He goes, I set you free. I saved you. I healed you. I delivered you. I blessed you. I prospered. Let's celebrate that. Next test, mind. Love him with all your mind. That's attention. What do you think about the most? What's your mind on all the time? What are you always thinking about? I suggest that whatever we think about the most has become what we worship the most. And culture in the world tries to get our attention. It's trying to get our attention, distract us all the time, get us to focus on other things, think about other things, where we don't even think about God in the equation anymore. We're trying to create things and do things in our own strength and ability. We've totally forgot about God. Our mind doesn't even go there anymore. And then we get to the place where we reason and logic thing in the natural and the natural ways instead of the supernatural. Because all of a sudden culture has got our attention greater than God. And the last one Jesus says is worship me with your strength. Your strength is your abilities. God's gifted you and given you abilities and talents. What are you doing for God? How are you using them for God? What do I do the most? Know that God gave you those so you should put them first in those. God gave that to you. See, we can put so much into so many other activities, and I've already mentioned some earlier, activities like work and hobbies and sports, and those aren't bad things, those are good things. Things that we wanna do, things that we love, things that we spend time and energy on, and sometimes we don't have any time or energy left for God. And it's not that you can't spend time and energy there, it's just make sure you have energy and time for God. It's just a little test. I think Jesus reveals in Mark 12, 30, of where our worship goes. Love them with all your heart and soul. Love them with all your mind. Love them with all your strength. All I'm saying is the greatest battle in days we live in is going to be for what you worship. It all started with worship. It all ends with worship. And as Daniel expresses, it's everything in between. It is our battle. It is our struggle. Will you allow culture to cause you to compromise who you worship? And see, you don't really need me telling you these things. Yeah, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is Savior and Lord. He's the one that speaks to you about that. That's why I think 21 days of prayer and fasting in January is incredibly important. Some way, shape, fashion, or form, please engage in some way because what it does, it connects you. Prayer connects you to God in a greater capacity. And fasting disconnects you from the world in a greater capacity. And that's important because there's times that we just get overwhelmed or we subtly slip into culture's challenges or, or the tension points that, that come to us will give in. And we don't even realize it sometimes. That's why it's important to get in a group so other people can point those things out to you. That's why that prayer is so important because the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you yourself. But there's a battle for your worship. The truth is every one of us is a worshiper. God created everybody that way. You're worshiping something the question is, is it God? Is God getting that worship? See, don't compartmentalize God that you just can worship him on one day. Worship him every day. Don't just compartmentalize God. Don't just give him an hour on Sunday. Don't compromise. Don't bow down to something. Don't compromise or bow down to something that cannot save you, cannot free you, deliver you, heal you. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen. Say strengthen. Oh, I could use a little strengthening. 
to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He strengthens those who don't compromise. He strengthens those who don't bow down. He strengthens those who give him heart and soul, give him mind, give him abilities. He strengthens those who are worshipers. If you're tired and weary because you've been trying to do things in your own strength and ability, how about taking, how about taking a worship break? I'm gonna take a worship break for a minute. And when I give and turn my attention back unto God and I make adjustment, even a subtle adjustment, can release the power and strength of God back into my, wi- back into my wife and my life. Yeah, both of them. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Take a worship break for my wife. She's getting ready for the banquet in a little bit. So listen, if you're feeling tired and weary, I'm gonna take some more time off work. I'm gonna do, yeah, 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 do all that. But how about you just find some time to worship God? It's just what we're created to do. He gives us the strength. He gives us his ability. He's looking for some worshipers. He's looking for some uncompromised people to strengthen. John 4, 23 says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He is seeking worshipers. God is right now looking for worshipers. Be that person. Be that worshiper. Be that uncompromised person in an increasingly compromising world. You can make an adjustment today. It's simple. You can put God not just on your list, but at the top of your list. And he will strengthen you. See, 2018, I believe, and this has whole changed my mind, 2018, and pardon me, in 2018 is looking at the calendar and all the things and activities and stuff, the, the church and everything like that, and pardon me, can just get tired looking at that and just like, oh Lord. But here's what I know, as long as I maintain him as my focus of my worship, I'll have the strength to do anything that he has for me. In fact, 2018, if I determine to be the, a greater worshiper for God in 2018 than I was in 2017, I'll have greater strength to accomplish the things that God has for me. Because here's what we'll go into 2018 with our goals and plans, and we need those. We'll go and thinking how we can figure those things out and do those things the natural. But first, let's stop and have a worship break and speak how we can connect to the God that our worship goes to and allow him to give us the strength to do those things. I can do all things through God who gives me strength. That's Philippians 4.13, right? Philippians 4.13 is the troop number. Scout troop number, 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Being a worshiper gives you strength. We need to make decisions today. Make the adjustments today. God is a good and faithful God, amen? All right, let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope, Today was not to bring a hard message. I hope that it wasn't received that way. But to help us find the truth or reality of where we are and make the appropriate adjustments if need be. Get our focus and attention on where it needs to be. Make commitments and dedications. Not resolutions per se, but commitments, dedications, goals to be a worshiper this year. And maybe that's all you can say going into 2018. I don't don't know what it holds for me. I'm just determined to be a worshiper of God and allow God then to move and work in your life. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.